0: You're listening to a Sunday morning message from Glory Day Lutheran Church in Houston, Texas. Thanks for joining in. For more information about Glory Day and next steps you can take with us, check out gdlc.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at gdlchouston. Before I begin this message this morning, I want to uh, thank you. Um, We try maybe four times a year to bring the church family together in one service. As I recognize that I bring together the church together in one service, that affects everybody. We choose a time that's not right for anybody. (laughs) So no one can say we played favorite for somebody else. And so I recognize there might be some people who came here early this morning and some folks who are going to show up at 11 o'clock today. It's a struggle that I challenge, or that I struggle with, but it's, um, it's important for us, for me, to get the church family together so we can, as the body of Christ, gather together and worship, and, and we have the opportunity to still do so. But I'm hoping there's going to come a time pretty soon that I can't fit the whole church in one service. So if we're going to live out our mission of helping more people live life with Jesus every day, we got to get busy. But thank you for your flexibility uh, this morning. As we celebrate today, there are moments in life that we realize you just have to speak up. Moments in which too much is at stake, something so egregiously wrong is taking place that the option of keeping your mouth closed and your opinion to yourself is impossible to rationalize. There are certain moments, certain situations where you think, I know This is going to make some folks upset. It's going to knock over the apple cart, but I just have to say something. And then just as you fear when you make a statement, open your mouth, complete an action, it sparks a much bigger deal than you ever intended. Fun times, aren't they? Over 500 years ago a well known town pastor and college professor, professor in the modest time, town of Wittenberg, Germany, felt that posting 95 statements to the main doors of the local Catholic church at the Castle Wittenberg would make a statement, but maybe not bring about a worldwide revolution that it did. You see, it was the eve of All Saints Day, A day in which his local pastor knew that the villagers, the students, and the fellow college faculty would file through the church doors for a special mass, and then entering, some would stop to read this pastoral thought on problems in the church at large. This was the church bulletin board. Today, I believe Luther would have posted on a blog, a Facebook post. He would have had a TikTok. He would have had, I just can't... Probably good, he didn't have all that at his disposal. He had a massive YouTube channel. What was happening was Luther was opening up the dialogue for a conversation that he knew was going to make folks upset. But it was something so egregiously wrong. The heart of the gospel was at stake. For those of you who may be new to the faith or new to church or never studied church history, today, uh, we're celebrate what's called the Reformation, and one of the practices that we've had here for a long time is some folks dress up in red to celebrate this festival day. So if you didn't get the memo, it's okay. All right. You're not ostracized, it's not like you're part of the in-crowd because you're not wearing red today, all right? That blows the whole day. It began with a guy named a man named Martin Luther, a humble monk who struggled with the concept of sin of grace and of forgiveness. A man who knew firsthand guilt and anguish through an improper understanding of the grace of God and what it meant to live in that proper misunderstanding. A man so enslaved by the taunts of the evil one that he could never do enough to save himself from sin. And all he could see was an angry God who had a list of do's and don'ts, rules and regulations, a holy and just God, who at the moment like that was ready to strike down anyone who didn't follow his commands perfectly. And it was only when he began to study God's Word, when he opened the page of Scripture, especially the book of Romans and the book of Galatians, that he began to understand and grasp the message of grace and forgiveness. You see, the Holy Spirit took hold of his heart and it transformed his life as he began to experience the power of the gospel like never before. When he began to realize that he could never do enough to please God, when he experienced God's grace for the very first time, when he experienced what it feels like to be free from fear, from guilt, from shame, when he realized he was forgiven and freed to live out that grace that God had given him in Jesus Christ, he was a transformed man. So on this day, we remember and celebrate how God used a man in the early 16th century to ignite a movement that brought about a worldwide revolution with a simple act of pointing out 95 abuses in the church. A man who faced or took on the power of dukes and archbishops, the pope, the emperor, and the assembled nobility of the Holy Roman Empire, armed only with scripture, and a conscience that could tolerate nothing less than the truth. We remember a man who who translated the Bible into German so that people could have the Bible for the very first time in their own language. A man whose understanding of the gospel ignited the hearts and the minds of a continent and literally changed the political map of Europe. A man who introduced congregational singing. And y'all are rocking it this morning. I just sat back and we had that acapella time. We were acapella. Sorry, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> My mouth gets ahead of me sometimes. You know, by the way, we don't have a chain supply was issue. I was told yesterday that we have plenty of chains. And so those of you who came to 11 o'clock service last week heard me say that we had a chain supply issue twice. It's a supply chain issue. I'm so thankful now that I have plenty of chains. I had an individual who gave me plenty of chains. Yesterday, I was just thankful that he was paying attention and not sleeping during the message. It was a test. <laughs> we remember a man who wrote hymns that are still treasured today, but also a simple devoted husband and father. I think about the, the things that, that this individual brought back to the church, a Christ-centered gospel of grace the church as a body of believers and a priesthood of all believers, that it's not the pastor that is the only one who can do stuff. Language and literacy, biblical and otherwise. We stress education for everyone. Art and science, exploring and celebrating God's creation. A man who, who helped us understand work as vocation, that all work is a divine calling. Not just because you put on a robe or you're a pastor, but he has a great line that there's more honor in changing diapers than proclaiming the gospel on Sunday mornings as a pastor. The value and rights of the individual and limited government and freedom of self-expression and religious expression but here's the, day. here's the deal. While this is a special day for the church, it's isn't about a guy, but about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the authority of God's word. Because today is about not only that individual, but every one of us who've ever struggled with guilt or anguish or shame. For something you said or did or didn't say or didn't do. Someone who, who sees God as an angry God with a list of rules and regulations just ready to smite down or smack down anybody who does wrong. It's a day for us to remember it isn't about a checkbox of do's and don'ts and saying your prayers and going to church and going to Bible class. and It's about... Christ alone about faith alone about grace alone about scripture alone and so I want to take us to an area of scripture that really had a big impact on Luther and I pray it'll have on us as well. I'm going to ask you to turn to Romans chapter 3. If you're using your bibles, it's in the New Testament. And it's right after the gospel. You have Acts and then you hit Romans. If you're going to use the Bibles that are in front of you, it's on page 940. And here's my ask. This text starts out kind of rough, and I'm asking you to listen to the entire message. Don't just tune me out after you hear the first part. Hang on, because the best is still yet to come. Romans chapter 3, being in verse 9, and as we look at this section of Scripture, I love how Paul levels the playing field for all of us. He doesn't compare people. He doesn't compare sins. He doesn't give pastors, politicians, religious people, church people, or non-religious people a pass. Look what he says in verse 9. What Paul writes, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. What's Paul saying right there? It doesn't matter. You can't hang out on your religious ancestry and claim that you're Abraham's descendants. Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles by the way, that's us, that we're all under sin. Well, no, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, right? Because society says that basically people are good. In fact, I think Luke Bryan has a song that says what? Most people are good. I think sometimes what we have thought ourselves is that we're good sinners. We know we have our faults and failures. We know we're not perfect, but we're not like those crazy people out there. We're pretty decent. You know, we mow our yards, and and we take care of our our homes, and, you know, we come to church, and, man, we're not like those, those other people. But if people are most, if everybody's good, most people are good, why did you lock your car this morning when you came to church? Why why do we have a security system in our homes? Why do we have a doorbell that can see everybody's going on, passing everything else? Why, Why do we change our passwords continually? Why don't we just open up our bank accounts and say, you know what? People are good. So, what Paul's saying is to be under sin is that that we are under the power of sin. Not that we just sin occasionally, but we're actually slaves to sin. Try this. Today, spend an hour and don't sin. It's an hour. That's all I'm asking for. How about 10 minutes? I'll give you 10 minutes. Just sit there in meditation. Do nothing. Your thoughts will convict you, by the way. (laughs) Because about 9.55, if you're like, man, I am rocking it, you just got hit with pride. (laughs) (laughs) You see, being under sin entails two things. A ruined relationship with God and a ruined relationship with other people. And this section of Scripture, it's interesting that Paul bookends it. Verses 10 and 11 and then verse 18 are how our ruined relationship is with God, and then 12 through 17 are how that ruined relationship affects other people. So look at at verse 10 and 11. As it is, None is righteous. No, not one. Man, yeah, I love listen Luke Bryan, but he missed this one. I get his sentiment. I know it is. I get it. But if we take that sentiment, we we forget that we don't need grace and a savior. Verse eleven: No one understands. No one seeks God. So when he says no one, that means all of us. Church, non-church, religious, non-religious, good sinners, bad sinners. This is not a popular message. This is not a message that you normally would go to. uh, uh, This is not a feel-good message, y'all. This is not something that, that, that... we take lightly because if we don't know that we are sinners in need of God's grace, we'll never experience God's grace. If I'm so good, what do I need Jesus for? And so Paul, get ready for a smackdown, okay? just This is, this is where you can't tune me out, all right? He is gonna call every one of us out. Verse 12. I mean, this is like... If you want to go in a Hallmark business, don't use this as your opening section of the Hallmark card, okay? This would not be good. You would not go far, all right? Verse 12, all, not some or most, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. What? Well, look at verse 13. It's better, ready? Their throat... Is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. It actually comes from Psalm 5. The venom of asps is under their lips. Man, them critters hurt. You ever been stung by one of those guys? They hurt. And that venom is in our lips. Just read the book of James. Verse 14. I mean, it just gets better. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. There's poison on our tongues and in our hearts. And their feet, verse 15, are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. Oh, that's the bad sinners, right? Not us good sinners. That's the, Paul's talking to everybody else. You know my favorite hymn, Chief of Sinners, Though I Be, My Next Door Neighbor is Worse Than Me. So just remember that. No. All of us. None does good. Well, what about the cool stuff we do? Well, we'll get to that. Verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I don't wanna go too much into a commentary. I believe we're witnessing this before our very eyes as a nation. That we have, their throat is an open grave. The political conversations They use their tongues to deceive. We use our lips and our text as venom. Driving down the highway and someone cuts you off, our mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. You, you look at the violence that's coming across our nation and you look at it like, wait a minute, this is very difficult, but it's real. And I think what we're experiencing is a a country and a world that's walking away from not only God, but his grace and what he says in his word. You see, I can't think of a better time for us to be digging into scripture as a nation, as a country, as a church, to navigate through the tumultuous times we're in in this highly divisive, political, social, and economic craziness that we're all experiencing. And because there's no fear of God before their eyes, Look what happens. Keep your place here. Turn back one page to Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. And the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. And if you continue reading, you look at verse 21. God gave them over. God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, dishonoring their bodies. Later on, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, And as if if Paul is telling us that God said if you're going to make your bed, you get to lie in it. That's hard, y'all. Go back to Romans chapter 3. There's a purpose why Paul writes this. It's a powerful, powerful purpose. Look at verse 19. Now that we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For By works of law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Verse 21, those first two words, powerful words, but now. But now, now that we know our condition, let's look at the cure. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Look at this, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified, that means made right, by God's grace as a gift to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Y'all, this is a message of pure gospel. This is the message that Luther was talking about, the church had walked away from. And this is the message I think we need to hear today. That we have to be careful that we don't walk away from it. for you are not under the law, but under grace. Man, I've heard so many people tell me before that in order for them to come to church or be a Christian, they have to get right with God. They have to clean up this area of their life first. They have to remove all of their sin before they can come to God. I said, man, if you gotta do that, I got an empty building, I can't even be there. Verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but now. Just in case you don't believe me, look at Romans, go one more page ahead in Romans 6, 23. It's great, if you don't have this underlined, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's why we're here today, y'all. That's what it's all about. And then as we, I love what Pastor Randy shared earlier. This is not a monument to the past, but a mission moving us forward to share the gospel with others as the Holy Spirit fills us to help more people live life with Jesus every day. Let me finish up with this. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. And you go through, continue going Romans. You keep going, to hit Ephesians, you'll hit Galatians. You hit Philippians, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, Philippians. Hit Ephesians. I can't even talk right now. Chain supply. It's on page 972. Galatians 5.1. Actually, 974. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand therefore, stand firm therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So y'all, we've all been freed. We've all been forgiven. But what Paul's reminding us, don't get caught up in the guilt and the fear and the shame and the anxiety and the anguish of not doing enough. Jump down to verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So don't sin boldly because you know you're going to get forgiven. Live boldly in God's grace and mercy because you have been forgiven. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for flesh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. I'm going to invite the choir to help finish my message. I invite them to stand up. I want you to hear today the true freedom to live in communion with Christ. To live in all that he commands begins with a relationship with Jesus. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we do indeed know that God is a mighty fortress, our rock, our shield, our salvation. And in response to that grace, love, and forgiveness, I'm going to start living it out in my family, in my job, in my relationships, and in my community, as Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. May God grant that to each of us for Jesus' sake. To God alone be the glory. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope God used this time to turn your heart more towards him. Be sure to check out Glory Day online at GDLC.org for next steps you can take. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at GDLC Houston as we help more people live life with Jesus every day.